Hey, expats and travelers, I'm Josh, and this is the Expats Everywhere podcast. In today's episode, I sit down with Liz from the YouTube channel Talk the Streets to talk about leaving London's rat race and finding home in Lisbon, Portugal. She talks about the reasons why she left, how she adapted so quickly, and the role language plays in settling in. Without further delay, let's hear from Liz. So if you could tell me what it was like when you were in London, what was life like there? Uh, it's funny, I was talking with friends the other day, like if you could sum up London in one word, what would it be? And the first word that came to mind for me was hustle. Okay. It's so fast paced, everyone's uh, dashing from one thing to the next. You can't so uh, have a social event with your friends unless you book it a month in advance. Everyone's on the career ladder, everyone's on the property ladder. It was very, very kind of go, go, go. Yeah. Um, at least that was the how I ended up feeling after being there for five years, the kind of age I am. Yeah, it just started to become, um, yeah, very, very busy. Um, and yeah, just, just a bit of a rat race, really. But the other word I would use to describe it on the flip side um, is vibrancy. Like I always loved like, and that often comes with a, a big city culture, right? Yes, you have all of the hustle, but at the same time, it's vibrant, it's exciting. There's lots going on. I, mm. And I that's what I always loved about London. It was so diverse. There was always so much to do, so much culture. Um, so, so yeah, you have to take the rough with the smooth. Um, the, the best part about London was always, um, the amount of stuff that you could do, the amount of opportunity you had, the, the people you could meet by being there. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for me in the end, it, it was too far towards the, the hustle side. <laughs> right. So before we get too, too deep into your past, we'll just give the viewers kind of an indication of, of sure. you. So you, you were born in London mm -hmm. and you studied in university, Spanish and Portuguese, but then you did uh, six months of Erasmus in Portugal, then had a little bit of a break, went six months to Brazil, back to London for five years, like you mm -hmm. just said. And then you moved to Portugal. Mm -hmm. Does that sound about right? Yeah. So I've kind of, Portugal has always been a kind of constant thread in my life. Um, as you say, my, my degree at university was Spanish and Portuguese. So I'd studied Spanish at school, loved it, wanted to do that at university. And then lots of places offered the chance to do Portuguese from scratch. So I was like, that sounds fun. I always like a new challenge. <laughs> um, so, I, so I started that and I just, I fell in love with it. I think... I think because it felt slightly more niche. Um, uh -huh. I mean, even though it's not, Portuguese is one of the most widely spoken uh, languages in the world. But right. it was kind of, it was even at, even at that time, it was over, um, underrated. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to get my textbooks from from the, the academic bookshop and Portuguese was filed under miscellaneous languages. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what? I think this language needs a bit more love. Um, so yeah, from there I started the Portuguese Society at university, organized trips um, to Portugal, and that was the first time I came to Portugal in my first year. I organized a trip to Porto um, for the other students. Um, and then yeah, I was just like, this could be my thing. I think, you know, Portugal's gonna be pretty special for me. Um, and yeah, it ended up being that way. I, I did Erasmus um, as part of my degree in Coimbra. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the original plan. Actually, the original plan was to go to Brazil, um, to João Pessoa in the north, um, but I got sick and I missed the start date. Um, oh, so I couldn't go. I was absolutely 
crushed. <laughs> but, you know, so I actually took six months out um, and then my tutor said, well, you could still go to, to Coimbra. How do you feel about that? And I was like, I mean, sounds okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I, I ended up doing that. And I think there was something about the fact that I had, you know, I had been ill and I'd kind of lost my confidence quite a bit. Mm. And um, when I came to Coimbra, it was this really small, welcoming, charming um, place. And it was just kind of exactly what I needed at the time. Um, and the student life there is incredible. Um, I think my lectures would start at 2 p.m. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then I didn't even have to pass any exams. I just had to attend 75% of the lessons in order to kind of pass, <laughs> pass that, uh, that section. That's wild. Um, so, yeah, so it was a lot of making friends, going on trips, just, you know, really so soaking up the culture. And so that's really when my kind of love affair with Portugal was cemented, I think. And I think I always knew I would come back. Um, I just didn't know when. What was happening in London that you just said, enough's enough, I'm ready to go? And what made you make that change? I think it was partly internal, partly external. Okay. So um, in terms of the external stuff, very obvious things. The price of living in London is insane. Mm. So I was living in Hackney. Um, I'd lived, I'd lived in London for five years and I'd moved four times because the rent kept going up. And In five years, you moved yeah. four times? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Yikes. I mean, that's pretty standard. But yeah, I was, I was living in um, Hackney Wick. The overground had just been built and it was like a little bit out of the way, a little bit quieter. But within a couple of years, it was just so busy. Mm. It was a destination place to be, um, which was amazing to live there. Um, but yeah, one day you sit down and look at your finances and say, all right, so I'm spending 50 to 60% of my wage on just living costs. Mm. Um, is this sustainable? Obviously the answer was no. Um, so, so there was that part of it. Also external factors in terms of the politics of what was going on in the UK. Um, sadly, uh, this was kind of pre-Brexit. I mean... Lots of people ask me if Brexit was a factor as to why I moved. Mm -hmm. um, you were already here, more or less, right? Well, I, I already had the idea of moving, and I was already kind of putting all the wheels in motion. Mm -hmm. I was moving out of my flat in London. I was, you know, looking for ways that I could relocate here um, while while it was still a question mark whether Brexit would go ahead. So really, by the time it it, it was obvious that it was going to, I was already here. Um, so so that was that was good to have got the the jump start on that. Um, so so yeah, those are the kind of external factors and then internal factors as well, like that were completely personal to me, were mm -hmm. just that um, I got to thirty. <laughs> And you look at what all your friends are doing. Should I say congratulations? I right? mean, I've, I feel like I've always been thirsty. Like that's just always been uh, the age I was supposed to be. So I don't feel I don't feel bad about it at all. Um, but yeah, you do sort of re reach these arbitrary milestones in your life, and you yeah. just look around and you think, is this where I want to be and what I want to be doing? Am I happy? Hundred um, percent. And and yeah, I think I just realised I'd been keeping myself very busy for a long time to kind of distract myself from perhaps not being that happy and right. 
maybe being on a, a path that I thought I should be on but wasn't necessarily what was making me happy and then of course being that age you see all your friends moving to the suburbs and getting married and if you're not mm. in that boat you think huh <laughs> yes what am I gonna do uh instead um so yeah I'm really lucky in the sense that I just spoke to my current employer at the time and said listen I'm thinking of going remote I'm thinking Lisbon could be the place for me um and I was yeah I was lucky that they they agreed to that so I had a little transition time where I still worked my old job which was in PR mm. again very fast paced <laughs> sure. um and yeah that allowed me to kind of set up here and it was such um such a relief personally to have chosen a completely different you know, throw the rule book out the window mm -hmm. <laughs> and go on a completely new adventure. Well, this actually takes me to my next question. I'm, I'm dying to know why Lisbon? So going back to before how I'd done Erasmus in Coimbra, I knew that I was very happy in Portugal. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that I loved the culture. I loved the country. Um, obviously, speaking Portuguese was a huge factor as to I knew I could feel at home here and get settled in. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually came in 2015 to kind of dip my toe just for three weeks in the summer to see what it was like. Because that's the thing. If you're from London, you think I'm so spoiled. I couldn't be happier anywhere else because mm -hmm. I have everything here. Um, but which is obviously a really arrogant thing to think. <laughs> <laughs> Other cities have lots to offer as well. Sure. So, so when I came, I was like, oh, this is awesome. We have co-working spaces. We have bars on rooftops. You know, we have the beach close by. There's lots of other people my age doing the same thing. It's kind of like Erasmus 2.0. It's yeah. like Erasmus for adults. Adulting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, so, so, yeah, I loved it. And that convinced me. I cool. was like... Yeah, all right, let's give this a try and see how it goes. And people said, how long are you going for? And I said, any time between two years and forever. We'll just see. <laughs> two years and forever. Okay. So what were some of the challenges that you found when you first moved here? So in a way, I was so lucky. Like, I think it's one of those things where I, f I always say this. I felt like when I was living in London, my life had been on pause for mm. many years. And when I got here, it was like someone pressed play again. Cool. And it was like, I'd obviously been going against the grain of what I was supposed to be doing. And when I got here, everything did kind of fall into place. Um, I was put in touch with somebody who had a great apartment. Um, I'd already been here and kind of made some connections those couple of years previously. So I've been kind of watching these meetup groups that were kind of starting to crop up around that time mm -hmm. um, for entrepreneurs and people who like traveling and not just international people, but Portuguese people as well. So, um, so yeah, when I actually got here, I just sort of threw myself into it and everything kind of clicked. Um, that's not to say that there weren't challenges, <laughs> of course there were, um, but in terms of finding a community and, and enjoying um, the lifestyle, that was pretty immediate. Um, I guess the challenges are the same as what everybody else faces. The bureaucratic the things, yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So what yeah. were the things that, that you kind of ran into <sighs> then that maybe don't exist now or maybe still exist now? Well, I think that, I came with the false notion, I speak Portuguese, I'll be fine. Mm. I've been there before, I'll be fine. I have a good understanding of the culture, I'll be fine. Yeah. doesn't work like that because um, it really depends on who you're dealing with on the day. <laughs> That's okay. what I've learned. Like attitudes or? Not just attitudes, just, just, just in like the 
basically anytime I go for any bureaucratic appointment, I bring every single piece of paper that I've ever been given. <laughs> right. So it's a, it's a folder about because this they'll big. say, oh, you don't have this exactly. piece of paper, and they send you home yeah, and make a new appointment. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's pretty wild. So you have to just um, you just have to you know, psych yourself up for that, that that's the way it's going to be. And don't, don't expect anything to be solved with one appointment. Mm. Everything is going to be having to go back a few times and just getting some resilience, um, in the system for that. Um, cause you'll get there eventually. Everything works out in the end. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's been thrown out or turned away. So, you know, you can work it out, but, um, it's probably was probably one of my misconceptions when I came here that, you know, that it would be, that it would be easier for me because I've been here before or mm-hmm. because um, I spoke the language. Well, let's dive into that, actually. Yeah. So you do speak Portuguese. <laughs> I do. How has Portuguese um, helped ease the transition here? Obviously not bureaucratically, but in terms of making friends or understanding the culture or going to restaurants and enjoying the great food, has it? I assume it's helped in that way? So much. Okay. Like, I always okay. say, like, I always say that it just made me feel at home more quickly right? because um, not being able to express yourself and your own personality can be really isolating when you, especially if you've decided that you want to be somewhere long-term to not be able to kind of make connections with people around you um, can be really difficult. So I'm so lucky in that my, my two neighbors downstairs, one's a girl my age, one's a, an older lady, we get on so well. Mm. Um, and they've looked after me so much. Like when I first got here, I got this awful flu and they would come up with uh, hot tea and, and soups and be looking after me. And that's the kind of thing you really need when you're living away because you don't have your family around you. Right. And it's really, really important to to make friends who will become a second family. Right. Um, so it definitely allowed me to do that. Um, even though I joke about the bureaucracy stuff, obviously I can cope with it better because I do speak the language and mm-hmm. I can I can question things and I can... Uh, or even you know, understand things, I yeah, assume. Yeah, understand things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so obviously it helped a lot with that as well. And then even just, even just like practical things, asking the bus driver if you're going in the right direction, yep. um, you know, things like that to just have, to just not even have to think about it, to be able to just... Uh, ask those questions when you could go very far in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, just to, you know, sense check that you're on the right track with a, with a lot of things is, is really, really helpful. Yeah. I mean, I've been in situations where my wife sends me in to do the bureaucratic things yeah. m- more often than not, right? And there'll be like one or two words I don't catch, but I do understand they're saying no. Yeah. So then, so then I go away and she's like, what happened? I was like, they said no, but, but, <laughs> but what? And I'm like... I don't know, but it's the answer is no. Yeah. Like that's, that's all I could tell is there's something that's not right, but I don't know what that thing that's mm. not right. So yeah. that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've had, even though I can speak the language, I've had absolute nightmares. So I tried to learn to drive here. And, uh, so first of all, I had to, um, go and do the theory test in Portuguese, in Portuguese, which is very hard very specific like the things that you need to know it's nothing like the one we do in the uk so i was told to go to the test center and bring your id mm-hmm. brought my passport got to the door didn't want to let me in because my id should have been my residency certificate oh, <laughs> which okay. no one had told me mm-hmm. um you just brought 
an ID. I just bought my ID. Well, I consider to be my ID. Sure. It's my passport. Sure. So I probably should have asked to clarify that. So that's a, that's a good tip. Ask three times if you're definitely sure you've got the right documentation with you. Okay. So let's take a look at learning Portuguese. Yeah. So how did you do it? Who helped you along the way in your journey? What are you oh. doing currently? You're, you're a teacher, a Portuguese mm -hmm. teacher, but... Do you continue ed your education? Portuguese? Absolutely. Yeah. Language learning never ends. Yeah. And that's something that I always tell my students as well. So I learned in a very traditional academic way at university. Mm -hmm. So we had intensive courses um, within our, in our first year to get up to what we call A-level standard in the UK. So the exams you do when you're 18. Um, and, and yeah, so that was kind of when it, when it first started. And then... I kind of did my Erasmus and then after university I decided I wanted to go to Brazil because I'd missed out and I wasn't going to accept that. I was like, no, I must go. Yeah. Um, so I then went to Brazil to work for six months as a, as a teacher, um, which was super fun and super different. Um, so it was really special to be able to get to experience both of those cultures mm -hmm. and also both of those variations on the language. Oh, yeah. Very different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when I first got there, they were like, no, no, that accent's got to go. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get a bit more Brazilian. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I left, people didn't, the, people just thought I was Brazilian because I mm. look Brazilian yeah. and Brazil is so diverse that even if people could tell I wasn't from exactly where they were from, they mm -hmm. would just assume I was from, you know, a different, Somewhere a different part of Brazil. Brazil. So yeah. that was really, really nice, actually, to to feel like I fitted in somewhere. And I think that's what both Brazil and Portugal have given me all this time, is just a place where I do feel at home away from home. Awesome. Um, so, so, so Brazil was really awesome because actually both Erasmus and my time in Brazil, I did live with... Um, Portuguese and Brazilian people so I didn't speak any English mm -hmm. and that complete immersion is the game changer and mm -hmm. that's why I think so many people who move to Portugal as expats and live in cities mm -hmm. um, where you can get away with not speaking Portuguese yeah. um, it's very difficult for them to make progress because they're not forced to use it yeah. um, and really people, people are like well how do I get around feeling embarrassed and feeling stuck and I'm like there is no way you just <laughs> the have only to fall on your face yeah, yeah that's exactly. right that's right and so I have such vivid memories of sitting around my dinner table in Coimbra with my with my Portuguese housemates and just think like following the conversation and being like don't ask me anything don't ask me anything don't ask me anything <laughs> um because I felt exactly the same I was I was that person as well that, that was just like too scared to say anything because I might get it wrong mm -hmm. and that's why if you're a perfectionist <laughs> it's, it's hard to it's learn language. very hard to learn a language yeah. um so you just have to have to let go of that but I would say that the yeah the people that I lived with in those um circumstances were the people who helped me the most because um because yeah the immersion part is is so so important um and yeah, you end up just dreaming in Portuguese by the end. <laughs> yeah. So Brazilian Portuguese, Portugal Portuguese, how do you separate the two? Like when, when did you first have the ability to even like turn the switch on and off? Because I mean, I learned a little more Brazilian Portuguese with my soccer teammates in university mm -hmm. and that accent makes a little more sense to me because it was what I was first exposed sure. to. So I feel like I'm almost like relearning a lot now here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tell me how did you how did you do it so so i learned Euro european portuguese first uh -huh. at university i was taught by 
teachers from Portugal. So I think that was a good way around to do it because it is more grammar heavy and it is more difficult to pronounce oh, yeah. and hear. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so I guess that was a really good way around to do it. So when I went to Brazil, I just had to make some adaptations. Okay. Um, it's not really very common for someone to switch between the two. It's only because I've lived extensive amount of time in both places mm -hmm. that I literally can't help it if a Brazilian person speaks to me to not reply in the same way. I yeah, don't know if like that's part of my personality or, mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. that I just end up being a mirror for whoever I'm speaking to. Mm -hmm. um, because imagine like you have an American accent because I'm talking to you. I'm not going to start changing my accent to be American, yeah. right? Be that, fun, would be, that would be wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, because English is my native language, so it makes no sense. Sure. So it's not really something um, that, that's kind of very common. It just ends up as being something quite funny that I just can't help. Mm. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I tried in the beginning when I moved back here. That was the hard transition. Mm -hmm. I was so used to speaking Brazilian Portuguese. I'd done interpreting qualifications in Brazilian Portuguese. And then I came here and then it was like, oh, I need to remember how to use the to form. I need to remember how to pronounce everything differently. I need to move my words around in the sentence. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that was tricky. Um, but, uh, but it's fun because now I have that perspective of having lived in both places and I can teach people when I when I do teach if they bring me certain you know certain texts or songs or whatever I have a good understanding of both and cool. I can kind of straddle both words worlds um, and I never ever ever tell them that it's wrong because that's something that um, is unfortunate <laughs> that there's so much um, debate uh in the kind of linguistic world about what is and what isn't correct right and i'm a person who believes that we learn languages in order to communicate and make connections so i don't care if something is not correct if it's the way that people speak then it's fine to mm -hmm. use um and you know in terms of brazilian portuguese and european portuguese neither is neither is superior they're both that they're, they're just different and they're both countries have been played such an important part in my life that sure. I love the chance to be able to talk about either one but I focus more on Portuguese from Portugal obviously because I live here sure <laughs> and there were much fewer teachers yeah um, well, it's less common that. to you know hear and and see yeah. on YouTube mm -hmm. for example yeah well let's let's bring it back to Lisbon mm -hmm. uh, let's talk a bit about Lisbon you described London with a couple words mm -hmm. how would you describe living in Lisbon so the word we came up with for Lisbon was light and I okay. think it's not just because it is such a um, picturesque city mm -hmm. um, and we have so much sunshine, mm -hmm. um, but also because of this, this kind of more relaxed style of life that you don't feel like that, that heavy hustle. You feel more like, oh, I'm going to go and have my glass of wine by the river at the end of the day. <laughs> right. You know, um, so, so, yeah, I think. I think Portugal in general just has so much history and character, but in that kind of understated way. Um, and, and yeah, I just think it's so special. How do you choose where in the region to live? Like, let's say you're not a big city person. You don't want to live actually in the city of Lisbon because mm -hmm. Lisbon's quite big in terms of the region and offerings, the variety. So how do you recommend people choose? Well, I am a city girl at okay. heart. So for me, 
I had to come to Lisbon. I was like, mm. if I'm leaving London, it has to be for some, you know, it has to be for a capital city. So for me, that was kind of the no brainer, but it's been so amazing because that's the other great thing about Portugal. Everything is so close by. Mm-hmm. So in two hours north, you can be in a completely different, uh, you can be in the mountains, two hours south, you can be on the, on the beach. Um, so, so that's what I've loved about living in Lisbon. It's a great jumping off point to explore different kind of areas. Mm-hmm. And it really depends what you're looking for. Like if you're looking for absolute peace and quiet, you have the Alentejo, um, you have um, the Douro Valley, which I love for tasting. What, have you been there yet? Well, I mean, basically live there, yeah, right? You're Porto, very close yeah, there, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we love that. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of depends what you're, what you're looking for. You'll be able to find in Portugal. I think we've got everything. <laughs> That's true. There is everything. We're exploring it and trying mm-hmm. to show our viewers everything there is to offer here. So, yeah. okay. You've said several times that it feels like home here. Mm-hmm. It started to feel like home. Now it feels like home. So what does that look like? What, what does home feel like to you here? Well, that's true, isn't it? Home is a feeling. Mm. And home, I think, is the people who are around you. Um, so I think one of the most special things about moving here I mean I already mentioned my neighbors who are like my second family um I met my fiance here um within the first week of moving here which is also nice um and then yeah the other people who I've met who are also doing this Erasmus (laughs) 2.0 um you know we have so much in common because we both we all kind of looking we're all outgoing we're we're adventurous we're entrepreneurial we're um you know interested in other cultures um you know want to have these these kind of um, different experiences so i have made some really special friends here as well who are kind of doing something similar um and and it goes back to that kind of idea of having found your second family so i think yeah home to me is definitely definitely the people and that's why again the language is so important because even if you're sitting in a in a cafe for the afternoon, if you can exchange pleasantries and a chat with the guy serving you, yeah. it elevates the experience so much. 100%. Um, and to hear other people's stories and to feel like you really understand what's happening in the country or you know that how people feel and um, yeah, I think it's so much so much more fulfilling and enriching than it would be to kind of only be speaking English. Yeah. Even in my broken Portuguese, when we go to cafes and or just have interactions in the street, if I can get something out and like understand the return, I'm buzzing. Like right, for the rest of the day, I'm, great, I'm right? absolutely <laughs> buzzing for the rest of the day. It's awesome. Yeah. So at Expats Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms lives. How has living abroad transformed your life? Oh my gosh, where do I start? Um, well, if I, I I talked about how my life had been on pause and when I came here, someone pressed play and everything mm. fell into place. So uh, if I hadn't have moved to Portugal, I wouldn't be getting married next year to the guy I met here. I wouldn't have my own little apartment with pink halls and flowers in, in the window. Um, and I wouldn't have my own business teaching um, Portuguese and my YouTube channel, um, which has done so well, particularly during the lockdown when mm-hmm. all people could do was go and um, watch videos online. Um, and so, so yeah, those kind of three, three things of like special relationships, a place to call your own home and being able to spend time doing what you love um, 
it couldn't be it couldn't be better really so I'm yeah I it was 100% the right decision that's <laughs> to awesome move here. well you're impacting a lot of people with what you're doing so like what's the what's the plan what's the 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 goal in the future yeah so I mean I started I started teaching a couple of years ago um, because so many of my friends knew that I spoke fluent Portuguese and they were like, why don't you teach us? Can you help? So I started doing that because I do love teaching. I love people. I love helping people. Um, so that kind of worked out really well. And I thought, maybe I should do a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> because it was, my, it was always my dream as a child to be a children's TV presenter. Oh, okay. Uh, which never quite that's happened. The, that's the modern... The next best thing, yeah, right? Yeah, the, now the modern that, <laughs> presenter. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, I uh, decided to do a YouTube channel. So when COVID happened, I was like, right, that's me in my living room then filming some videos about how to speak Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, there there was tons and tons of channels for Brazilian Portuguese. Yes. Nothing really, well, not many ga uh, geared towards uh, people who wanted to learn Portuguese from Portugal and nobody teaching it in English. Yes. So, this is exactly how my wife and I found you. Right. Yes. Because um, this is a thing like it's obviously immersion, as I mentioned before, is super important. But mm -hmm. when you've reached a certain level and I think people get so put off, especially native English speakers, because we know in the UK and the US languages aren't taught particularly well at school. Correct. It's not something that is very valued. Um, and so people kind of, ah, well, I don't need to kind of bother with that. So people have horrible memories of their their school French classes and they're like, I'm terrible at languages. And I think because I come at it from the from the angle that I understand what you're going through. I've learned this. I was in your you know position once, too. Yep. Um, you know, actually peddling back a little bit and starting from there, mm -hmm. I think is why, why people have really resonated with the channel. So it grew massively very quickly. Um, and then, and then, yeah, now I, I have, I have students, um, in an online program and I can't tell you how happy it makes me every time they post and say, I just managed to have a conversation with my neighbor or yeah. I've seen the same guy for three months and I haven't had the courage to speak to him. And now I have, or, I uh, I um, managed to order a sofa and I think it's going to come on time and you know, <laughs> things like this um, really, really make me happy. And you can really tell, you can see when people's confidence lifts mm -hmm. and when they have that mindset shift of, um, you know, maybe I can do this mm -hmm. and maybe this person is grateful that I'm trying and, you know, actually that was better than the last time I did it. Maybe it's going to keep getting better. Sure. And, and, and yeah, so I, I really, really love that. And I, and I also feel like it's something I can do to make sure that the relationships between people who live here and people who move here, um, stay amicable yep. because I know that it's also can be a point of friction. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. but I think that all the people who come voluntarily to my channel are people who want to try. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's really special. So I just want to be somebody who can encourage them and motivate them and make them believe they can do it. Um, but also produce stuff that's very practical, um, and useful. Yeah. Um, because there's no point learning all the animals in the zoo and the colors of the rainbow because no one's going to ask yeah, you what that's those right. are. What's your favorite animal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Liz, thank you so much for meeting with expats everywhere. We appreciate it.
If you found this valuable and know someone else that might like it, please consider sharing it. Before you go, give us a rating on this episode. And for those of you that like video with your audio, come on over to Expats Everywhere on YouTube, where you'll find hundreds of videos from places all over the world. Now let's get moving.